0: You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, a conversation between audience and artists intended to demystify the classical music and opera art form. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It's available via Spotify and Audioboom. That way, you'll hear about the latest podcasts as they become available. Be sure to follow Thoroughly Good on Twitter or on Facebook, and you'll find the blog at ThoroughlyGood.me. And there's one more thing to mention. This podcast relies on the generosity of others to keep it going. If you're someone who has supported the podcast already, be assured that you will receive, eventually, a Thoroughly Good badge as a measure of my thanks. If you're someone who likes the idea of receiving a badge, or indeed joining the throng of discerning individuals who have supported the podcast already, please head over to the Thoroughly Good blog at ThoroughlyGood.me, where you'll find a donate button, Anything you can spare would be very much appreciated. Podcast 42 is the first of a two-parter documenting travels to Cambridge and, as a result of an unexpected invitation which arrived in my lap on the same day, a subsequent trip to Malta. Both experiences teased out entirely different perspectives on the music I love. It may be a little too early to say this, given that only a few weeks has passed since recording and publication, but it might even turn out to represent a bit of a turning point in my appreciation of the art form and fascination with those who created. What I'm talking about I suppose is the bubble that classical music exists in, thrives in and which I think it's pretty accurate to say I have inhabited for pretty much all of my life. Podcast 42 isn't so much where that bubble was burst as the point in time when someone, it might have been me, picked up the pin to burst it. That all sounds rather ominous, I know, but let's not assume that the bursting of a bubble is necessarily a bad thing. Everyone's welcome to the party after all. This episode then features, in addition to excerpts from a choral even song rehearsal I attended after the podcast recording, a conversation with Director of Music at St John's College, Cambridge, Andrew Netsinger, discussing his work at the university where he's been since 2007 Uh, and also a discussion around the challenges faced by Chorister and Chorus Master when the voice breaks. Both of us explore the healing effects and enduring appeal of the choral sound, and in addition to all of that, there are some excerpts from the Choir of St John's College, Cambridge's latest release on Signum, a 15-track celebration of the anniversary of the consecration of the College, one work to mark every decade. Andrew and I met in the college, in a grand room with a small window, a big table and a grandfather clock, in late April 2019. Strong, clearly there is a strong choral tradition in your life experience, which reminds me that there is a strong choral tradition in this country.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, we're very, very fortunate in in that uh, it's it's an it's an amazing thing. Um, both the tradition of cathedral choirs, um, um, originally all male, and now increasingly you know equal um, opportunities for for girl choruses as well, which is wonderful. Um, and alongside that, our amazing tradition of the sort of large choral society amateur singing, as exemplified by the Three Choirs Festival, which. Started 300 years ago, um, and things like Huddersfield Choral Society and and so forth. I mean, the amazing tradition of amateur singing, and long may that continue. Uh, and and the and the sort of cathedral type thing um, that 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 my choir at St John's represents. Um, you know, that tradition has died out in so many other places. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you not you don't get the same kind of continuity of tradition in. Um, Italy, and going to St Mark's, Venice, or, or why, in, do, or in why France, do you think or... it's
0: um, been maintained here?
1: Uh, that's an interesting question, um, and I'm not—I'm not a clever historian, so I, no. So and I, mean, I, I, the, I, I don't um, want to put you on the spot. I mean, now, I, I mean, think. Um, well, I suspect things like the French Revolution didn't help. There, and we, haven't, <laughs> right. we haven't had one of those. So that's not, yeah. not far off. <laughs> yes. Um, um, well. It, uh, I don't know quite why traditions um, continue. Um, I suppose it's something that has been has been valued uh, nice. um, by people, but but we can't take it for granted. And um, I mean, it, it 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 worries me. I see all over the place the tradition getting eroded. Um, um, so I mean, for instance, let's hope that somebody could be, you know. To, uh, having a conversation like this in 50, 100 years' time, still talking about the Great Choral Society tradition, but it, you know it's not helped by uh, the decline of music education yes. in schools. Yeah. And you know, let's hope that the tradition of cathedral choirs and so forth is just as strong in a hundred years' time. But that's not helped by the fact that um, you know fewer and fewer people go to church, um, and then within parish churches, um, there isn't the kind of Tradition of cathedral style music, so often as there used to be thirty four years forty years ago, in you know, a much more evangelical tradition, many more clergy who are into their guitars rather than all this. So, you know, when a new dean arrives at a cathedral and sees that the cathedral's making a loss of three hundred thousand a year and sees that the choir costs three hundred thousand a year, you know, it's it's, it's worrying. Um, uh, so it isn't a um, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, amazing tradition we have at the moment, and I but wonder if you, you know can't take it for granted.
0: Yeah, and I wonder whether actually hearing hearing you uh, talk about that and thinking about my my sort of reaction coming back here, I wonder whether whether it's also whether it's also difficult to write about and to enthuse about in the present day because of the associations around privilege that there is there is an assumption made that um, that this is privileged music-making uh, and that that doesn't really chime very well at the moment. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, That's not a view I necessarily agree with. Yeah, but
1: yeah um, uh, well... Um, uh, I don't know if this could be... a <laughs> spent half an hour on this alone, couldn't we? Um, privilege. Uh, I mean... Um, this is a very good choir. People are privileged to sing in it. I'm mm. privileged to be involved in it. I don't know. People are privileged to play in the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, people are privileged to come and listen to this choir. People are Absolutely. privileged to come Absolutely. and listen to the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. This is, you know, this is not a choir. I mean, if you take the boys, the, the Troubles, for instance, I mean, it's not just people who can for, afford fees of 100,000 a year or something. I mean, it's no. not It's not elitist in that way. I mean, it's... We... we, we we choose people on the basis of their music, on, on their ability, on their musical and ability merit, and, and on potential. Merit. And, you know, we have very generous scholarships um, uh, to attend our our boarding school. But in the case of, you know, it's made very clear that there are bursaries that can be topped up to 100% um, where necessary. Um, so we very much want people from all backgrounds to come here. Um, I think... Um, I mean, the social mix of our choristers isn't quite as great as it might be, and we're always trying to increase that. Um, but there's a, certain parents are less likely to consider this as an option. And
0: I worry that I've put you on the spot very early on in the conversation. Yeah, no, it's, but it's, it's, right. it's um, interesting interesting for me to sort of reflect that, that, as I say, I recall from my own uh, from my teenage years understanding. That choral tradition and how actually it brings uh, a number of different families at the school that I was at. You know, I, I okay. saw a number of different families sort of coming together, uh, all enthused around that choral tradition. And that actually, that within that, with the context, within the context of my schooling, that seemed quite uh, aspirational. Actually, now as an adult, when I think about different areas of music making, actually I can see how talking about the choral tradition in the UK is sort of slightly difficult because we've got loads of other socio-economic issues that are being discussed and it doesn't quite fit right That—that's okay. really So what kind of school were you at? Then? I was a private school yeah. uh, okay. and, and it was close to Brayston Edmonds okay. so um, there was families were singing in the choir getting, getting someone to sing in the choir a member of the family to sing in the choir was a big deal uh, and it was um it was a sign of achievement and i i'm reminded of that coming back here uh, and that 's a very special thing and I sort of wonder whether actually it's, like i say it 's difficult to discuss uh, in the everyday because it 's perceived to be um, closed and privileged or people from a privileged background being able to participate in it when in actual fact uh, it is based on membership is based on talent.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think it's well. I mean, it, it is it's boys, not girls, and that's a whole different mm. conversation. And it's wonderful that so many other similar quas are, are are growing up for girls, not boys. You know, to to to, to balance that. But um, within the the, the the male fraternity, then uh, it, it's absolutely open to anybody to apply, um, and we 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 select the people who we who we think are. Um, are, are, are the most suitable in their talents and the ones who are going to thrive on it. I mean, you, can't, you couldn't just open this opportunity to everybody no. because f- for, for people who didn't have the right kind of um, abilities and potential, actually then they'd have a hellish time for five years. It would mm. not be at all nice to put them through that. So we want to select people who are, for whom it will be good. Thing that's a kind of threat to this sort of choir. Um, actually, is the fact that so many children do, uh, you know, blasting out pop songs and, and songs from the shows and things which tend to sit rather low in the range, so belting things out in chest voice but down below middle C. Um, I, I shouldn't name um kind of music theatre companies that do that, but um, there are some children who come and sing to me. To audition at the age of seven, and their voice is already wrecked from that. So um, because they're because they've been singing that well, repertoire, they're all, which is yeah, you know, they're in already, the wrong they're, place they're, in their range. Well, well, yes, and, 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 and but, but, but their voice is wrecked from the point of view of being able to access the head voice, which we need in our kind of repertoire. So, but that sounds as like I'm being very rude about this because and I'm not because you know that's fantastic kind of singing, and that you know some people want to sing allegri, and some people want to mm-hmm. sing Lloyd Webber musicals, and uh, Ideally, you can do both but um, but we need but we need we need opportunities for really high level um, stuff where people actually rehearse for maybe 14 hours a week or whatever it is we do um, added it up 12 hours perhaps um, and you also need opportunities for people who want to just do half an hour a week uh, yes. um, um, and some people want to do lots of sacred music some people want to do lots of secular um, some people want to kind of sing in a chess voice, way all the time, and others want to. You see, you remind I'm just thinking of the privilege thing. You know, I, we just well, we no, need to provide no, opportunities no. for everybody to do everything they could possibly. Want
0: Absolutely, to. I've I've sort of pushed. Uh, yeah. You push back on the uh, on the privilege thing by providing me with another thing which I had forgotten about, which yeah. is obviously very early on in life, the voice is not developed, and that one has to be really careful about how the voice develops at that particular age. That's something that, that I had forgotten about. Um, and also, you've reminded me that this isn't an easy ride at all. I mean, they're rehearsing a lot. You said 12 hours a week.
1: Uh, and yeah. they're doing
0: even song uh, every yeah. day.
1: Um, well, we have... Um, I'm trying to think. We um, Well, the boys rehearse for an hour, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mornings, hour and 20 minutes on a Saturday morning so and then for an hour before each of the six services that they sing so i don't know it's probably about 12 hours re- about 12 hours yeah. rehearsing and a kind of best part of another six hours performing um each week i mean mm. more in weeks when there are concerts or something <laughs> um uh, it's, yeah, and they're it's performing every day uh um, we, um well we don't sing even so we have a a, a student mixed voice choir that sings even some on mondays so that's a sort of day off for my choir, um, and on Wednesdays, just the men of the choir sing on their own, um, without the boys. And um, but the boys uh, sing everything but, else. But the boys sing the other five even songs a week and the Eucharist on Sunday morning. Yeah.
0: Okay, so, so essentially <laughs> they get two days off, but yeah. but they make up those two days at the at the weekend. That's a lot of singing. It's a lot of performing.
1: Yeah, it's a vast amount. Yeah, um, but the thing is. Uh, well most of us i suppose uh, you know if somebody's um somebody's good at the piano or good at theater or or, or whatever they, they you know you start learning when you're 6 or something and you can probably carry on acting pretty well or playing the piano pretty well until you're mm. 70 or whatever mm. um so got quite a lot of time now if you're a sportsman um the window's a bit less you know professional Footballers don't carry on much beyond I don't know, 35 or something, so then you've got a rather shorter thing. Now, if you're in treble, you've got to fit absolutely everything in by the time you're 13, because you're not going to be able to do it after that.
2: See, my soul
0: I hadn't realized that you were involved in quite so many
1: choral even songs oh yeah Well what we do about 200 services a year yeah. Yeah. as in broad, broadcast no no, not no broadcast. 200 yeah. services in there but again. in terms
2: of
0: broadcast choral even songs i hadn't realized that you had sort of oh, broad, quite, broadcast uh, well, quite so many
1: well, I don't know, just a, sort of two or three things on radio three each year and um uh, and today we've got uh, this live web stream uh, whatever it's called live video it's Const- a live web stream. I a think web so. stream. Is that, that the right it's not, terminology? It's, I don't
0: it's, know, it's not it my web stream, um, so on, uh, obviously it doesn't count. But. Classic FM, <laughs> Facebook. Oh, Classic, uh, classic Who? Cla- oh, right, Classic FM, fine. Am okay. I not allowed to say that? No, no, me. you're allowed oh, to say
1: that. So we do that, and we did a concert in Sweden a couple of weeks ago that was another live, whatever you call it, web stream. <laughs> web stream and yes. We did a concert in the Kentek about my favourite right. concert called in the world. Um, in Amsterdam last December and that that was another live video thing Um, so yeah increasing number of all that of those and our services we have um, microphones permanently installed in chapel so we can record every service and we 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 aim to put one up on our website every week all year round for 52 weeks of the year so of the 200 services, you know, the theory is that 52 of them, if I'm organised enough, will will be webcast on our website. So uh, it, it's quite a big reach, but, you know, we were talking about this tradition being um, uh, unusual in, in, in this country and not shared in so many other parts of the world and, you know, now and again we can go on tours to other parts of the world, mm. but but there's a limit to how much we can do that. This The webcasts are a way of um, people in Australia for instance uh, listening regularly to our even songs you know?
0: I ask you about the broadcasts because I recall that a even song was actually my gateway to Radio 3 oh, right. in 2005 so when I started working at the BBC uh, I had quite a lot of telephone work that I had to do but for an hour on a Wednesday afternoon there was an oasis of calm huh. even though I'm don't consider myself a religious person, um, and certainly don't go to church. Uh, it was escape, and there was something about the textures and the theatre and the um, the process of choral even song. It yeah. was incredibly reassuring, yeah. even though I didn't necessarily yeah. understand what on earth was going on. Yeah, um, and. I'm interested in understanding, I'm interested in in knowing whether you have a a view on what it is about, and it's the same with this album, actually. I've used the word. um, That there's something about the choral sound, especially the church choral sound, that makes me recall memories uh, of my own childhood, even though I didn't really come from a particularly religious um yeah. uh, upbringing you know i didn't have a, a particularly religious upbringing um and i i don't really recall that many happy experiences and yet when i hear uh, the likes of choral evensong i feel enveloped in a sort of a, a warm mm. blanket do you, yeah. Do, yeah yeah and it's i don't know i don't know what it is given that there are no associate personal mm. associations for me
1: uh, well the, <laughs> you've said lots of interesting things um uh, I only think, no, no, no! Sorry, I, and I'm, I'm trying to remember them <laughs> right, to respond okay, right. to them, and <laughs> yeah. no, I forgotten them all. Um, the idea of, nostal- of a, a sort of nostalgic sense is an interesting one because um, I think people—I mean, at Christmas, which is a time when people often listen to carols—if they don't at other times of year—that um, people there's a kind of nostalgia about hearing Christmas carols sometimes, and I—I I wonder whether. I don't know. Somebody in their fifties might feel nostalgic listening to Christmas carol because it reminds them of when they listened to it with their grandparents mm. forty years earlier. All those sort. And you referred to mm. hearing services and it having some subtle kind of re- causing reminiscences of your childhood in some way. Oh, but the, I know, so, yeah, so that, but it. But it. I think. That, I mean, and you also talked about the, the kind of beauty of the choral of the church choral sound. Um, in, in, in Evensong and, and that's that's right of course but I think there's there's much much more that's beautiful about Evensong just than the than the choir um, I mean they're some of the, the the greatest words in the English language you know if you're using the Book of Common Prayer and the Coverdale Psalter that then um, was later adapted in the King James Version of the Bible uh, I mean this is, this is some of the most beautiful Poetry uh, have written and um, and there's and and the and the silences within even song are different from the silent well you know probably occasional nice silences in East he's Suffolk as yes. you were saying earlier or on the Cornish coastline but we don't have much silence in our lives and actually some, the sort of silence in an ecclesiastical building is very powerful and when you add all the sort of poetry and the Bible readings and the prayers and the music and the silence and the architecture of the building and, and, um, and you're sort of taking, you know, most people have an hour off from their phones at that stage and you're and you're sort of removed from the everyday world and there's something very, very powerful about that and, and, and extremely important in our ever more kind of non-stop relentless society where everyone's checking... Um, the social media all the time and uh, so and I also love in uh, even some of the, the 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 combination of the fact that every day is new because you would have a new you know with lots of new music and different combination of pieces and things and yet every day is the same because there's always the magnificent and it's, it's, there's certain structures to the service mm. that are unchanging you know and I like that I, I mean I would say that that's if I had to have a <laughs> A sort of motto, then tradition and innovation—something <laughs> would probably be it, because I think they're both very important, and they're both kind of contained within within the service of evensong
0: and My recollection of listening to them for the first time: there were two things on the Wednesday afternoon. Oh, yeah. It was Brian Kay's light program at two oh, yeah. o'clock, <laughs> which was yeah. slightly tongue-in-cheek dedication yeah. to light music, yeah. uh, and then choral evensong And it always felt as though. Uh, somebody who just opened a door just ever such a little bit yeah, hmm. so, ever so slightly uh, and we were peering in uh, if you can possibly peer in just by listening uh, it was uh, yeah, uh, it was, it was terribly important and that's what led me to listen to more of Radio 3 um,
1: it, it is, re- well it, I understand everything you're saying it is really important for people to be reminded that actually it's an open door, <laughs> uh, you know, and this is not an exclusive privilege thing that only a select number of people are allowed to come to or, you know, the only people allowed to go to a cathedral are the Lord Lieutenant or somebody, because that's when you see it in the paper. You know, actually, this college, even some, or any cathedral, even some, um, they're all open to any member of the public. Mm. And there are 50 um, cathedral college type places in the country more than that that do daily services um so wherever listeners are in this country you know wherever people are living they'll be somewhere reasonably close by and everybody can go and it you know it really can be uh, quite a life-changing experience i think and you mentioned something about yourself and not being particularly re- religious yourself and I, and i i do feel um if, if it's not um kind Of mixed terminology, I, I feel quite evangelical about um, about evensong and about I, I feel quite evangelical about explaining to people that you don't have to be a believer, mm. uh, Christian or otherwise, um, in order to really get a lot out of the experience of being a, of coming to evensong.
2: Well, that's I mean, that's, that's I'm, should try I'm it.
1: pleased to hear that because uh, in preparation
0: for. For meeting you, I had reflected on a period of time when um, this is soon after I started listening on Radio Three. That there was a period of time when I would listen to Christmas carols. So it's essentially, that 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 point that you were making about Christmas carols, I would listen to Christmas carols and think, actually, yeah, they do make me feel Christmassy. But there's no there's no under- for me. There's no underlying belief structure. So I feel a slightly dirty uh, listening to this. Um, I don't experience that now, but uh, it's reassuring to hear that that there are that so. it is um, that to put very simply and crudely all are welcome. Yeah, that's essentially yeah.
1: The... well. And the thing is, uh, the whole experience is a is, is a is a sort of work of art. I think. Mm. I mean, the, the 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 words are of great artistic merit, and the music, well, most of it, some of it, <laughs> is of great artistic merit, and and the um, and, and the buildings generally are. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And um so there's there's that, you know, um there's that aspect to it as well. And there's also um it's well it you know, it's like a kind of free counselling session or something where you yes, can actually yeah, get get things in perspective and it's also um kind of saves you the price of a gin and tonic or a or a bottle of dust to put in your bath. It can have the same sort of unwinding um, effect on people at the end of a tedious day in the office or whatever. I'm very good at marketing. <laughs> <laughs> should, I, should I get into <laughs> that you, yeah. I've been looking for, <laughs> looking
2: for my
0: I'm conscious that we're meant to be talking about the release Um, and uh, I would like you I know that there are I'd like you to tell me about about it first just give me an overview about it first because it's 150 years since the consecration of the chapel
1: yeah that's right is that right and that
0: surprised me because I just assume that everything here is ancient
1: yeah quite Um, well um, so the places I mean Cambridge University has been around for sort of 800 years or so and the, the 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 history of, of, of this institution dates back about that long. So there was an inf- St John's Infirmary here originally, and there was a twelfth century chapel that was part of that, and that's in the middle of first court. I could show you later. Um, and then in fifteen eleven, the college was created. Um, you know, gradually, but it started. The first court was fifteen eleven, incorporating that. ...chapel from the St John's Infirmary into it. And then in the... And, you know, the colleges gradually got bigger and bigger... ...and the famous Bridge of Sighs was built in the early 19th century. And by the time they got to the mid-19th century... ...there was so much more student accommodation... ...and chapel was compulsory... ...and um, you, you simply couldn't fit all the students in the college... ...into the chapel, so it was bonkers. So it was agreed that a larger chapel would... ...a much larger chapel would be built... Um, so it was a pragmatic solution. Well, um, so it was an, yeah. I think maybe there may have been some people who 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 thought um, that actually we should, you know St John's is a very big, important, grand college, and we should have a bigger, grander chapel or some nonsense like that. But, um, <laughs> but but you know actually it needed to it, uh, um, it, it, it needed to house the increased number of, of students because you know, new courts um, built in the earlier. Nineteenth century over the over the river, you know, mm. huge, huge number, extra numbers there. So uh, this wonderful Gothic Revival chapel was built and consecrated in eighteen sixty nine. Um, um, architect was Sir George Gilbert Scott. Um, <laughs> the irony is that while while it was being um, built. Um, the, the rules changed and so chapel was no longer compulsory <laughs> <laughs> <Don't worry>. but, <laughs> but oh, I'm well glad they didn't is stop a, place, this I mean. is <laughs> awkward <laughs> yeah but um, it, it's it's just a, it's a completely is easy, it compulsory but, now <laughs> absolutely no, no um, but it, it's it's just a fantastic building for it's for, warm for Sam.
0: it's a very warm interior I yeah, mean I, 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 I've, I, I've only stepped into it once
2: yeah, so well,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased just you say cool. that and it's hard for me to, it, I mean, reactions like that. One, lots of people say that, and mm. that it's great to hear that. I think I'm, I, I spend so much time in it that I, I, I lost, you can't be objective. Like, I've lost, yep. uh, yeah, I've lost yeah, the ability okay. to kind of have first impressions. If you know what I mean. But but yeah, uh, the built so the building, um, um, I mean it's, it's it's tall, uh, but it's quite narrow mm. in a sort of french style um the narrowness means that wherever you sit there's a kind of intimacy and wherever you sit you feel quite connected to the say the the words of the psalms that the chorus singing um and i i really i, I i'm really into that that sense of um, you know chamber music like um communication you, know, you want to be in a small room like this one where we're in now with a string quartet and just sort of Ten people in the audience, and you like the intimacy. I think it's really important that we can do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, um, at other because some pieces are and some words are extremely personal, and it needs to be like a, a one-to-one conversation. But there are other pieces of music that one sings um, that require that, that are maybe a bit more kind of public in there. Um, in their means of expression. I mean, I always think of Westminster Cathedral Choir as being the epitome of the of the more... Pub- uh, there's nothing intimate about that communication, um, but in terms of the kind of public utterance, it's absolutely unsurpassed when they sing that. And, and you know, and if you
0: say... De- actually, very declamatory. Yeah. Whereas, whereas here it feels like it is... Enveloping, it
1: is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Three, three hundred sixty mm-hmm. degrees. Yeah. but the thing is that we it. have got the, spe- you know, it is. Despite that sense of intimacy, it is actually also quite big and very tall, and lots of sweat. And so it means that you can sing big, loud pieces, and you know, Parry, I was glad, or whatever, blessed pair of silence that's on that disc. Um, and it's not too much for the building, you know. Whereas a really small place, actually, it it would it would be uncomfortable on the ears to, to have loud singing. So actually it's it's one of those, it's one of a, quite a small number of of ecclesiastical buildings where you can sing very, very quietly and it's effective and everybody hears it and you can sing very, very loudly and it's not too much.
0: Parry makes sense to me, thinking of Parry, uh, his music makes sense to me in a
1: place like this. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and Why the, is that? Well, thinking? it's that... Uh, it, do you mean in a place like Cambridge or in a yeah, place like yeah, our no, chapel? It, yeah, oh, well, okay. well, yeah, Cambridge and. I mean the the, the, cha- could, you know, the chapel particular. I mean it was written. The, so this "Blessed Pair of Sirens" that's on the on the what are we calling it? It's not an album. You said it's a release. It's a release. It is your album. Yeah, like I believe you. Don't know. you from, yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So "Blessed Pair of Sirens" is yeah, it was written for the uh, Golden Jubilee of Queen Victoria, 1887. So, it's. Um, 18 years after the chapel was constituted so it's the right kind of period, and it, it just somehow fits. Um, uh, yeah, as to why Parry should feel right in Cambridge, I don't know, I can't answer that. Okay. Uh, um, but you know what I mean? That doesn't sound uh, like a written... No, maybe, okay, well, maybe not. Well, uh, maybe, I mean... Well, I think pe- when I mean hear people it- first, Well, you know, Stanford, uh, <coughs> who, many people... Um, Associate with Parry, you know, mm. contemporary, well, he worked next door, he was director of music next door, so, you know. Next clearly, door, where do you mean next door? In Trinity came, College. Oh, right, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, nice. um, yeah, so clearly people like Parry were very at home in this kind of place, but. Um, and did Parry work in Cambridge? I think he was was he professor of music at Oxford. For a, uh, okay. I think yeah, I think I think more Oxford's associations but, and do run the. Well, this is very embarrassing. This <laughs> no, is fine. Bro- it's broadcasting it's my exactly lack of knowledge. I know even less. He was a. Yeah, that's well, why you're here. Well, bro- <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're the only person who yeah, hears yeah, hear yeah. it, it's all about me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think <laughs> Parry was not uh, not a Cambridge person, right? Um, um,
0: but there actually, what you're saying is but, there is a reason that that, that sounds sort of kind of fits with the the grandeur well, because it was of that time.
1: Yeah, but what I was going to go on to say, actually, is that I think whatever whatever period you choose, it fits, you know. I mean, I feel when we sing um, when we sing Talis and Bird um, or, or um, Taverner or, or so forth, you know, I'm very aware that they were writing in the first... Few decades that that the college existed, you know, after First Court had been built. Um, but if we sing music by um, uh, later or Walton, well, they date from the same time as our Cripps building was built in the sixties. Um, uh, and other example, and if we sing Wesley, well, that that's the same sort of time as New Court was built. In, in, uh, so, actually, all of these. Uh, all, all of these um, figures resonate with, with with Cambridge in different ways because Cambridge is such a because there are so many different historical uh, layers to Cambridge you can find buildings from any period really.
0: Everything on here am yeah. I right in saying is one work from a decade uh, Yeah that, that the sort of thing yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah basically um, I mean so 1869 to Whatever, what is it, What's the year now? Two thousand nineteen. Okay, right. So I divided it up into ten-year chunks. Um, um, uh, you know, to, and then I, you know, I played around with lots of ideas of pieces and worked out when they were all composed and took one from each of those ten-year right. chunks, and then tried to get a balance of. Um, and make sure there's a good balance of fast and slow and kind of well-known stuff and less well-known stuff and etc you know, etc cetera, et cetera, and different styles and different there are about five five or six different countries represented it's mostly british but and then and then trying to see whether these pieces would fit together in um in a in a good sequence in terms of kind of key relationships and all all that sort of thing I feel a little bit like I'm
0: marking your homework now that I've heard that but I um, I listen to quite a lot of it, I'm not wanting to show off but I listen to quite a lot of CDs um, some more attentively than others and the one that really the track that really grabbed my attention was Alex Wolfe's Which I thought was right. utterly, utterly gorgeous. How does that, how does that work speak to you?
1: Well, it's lovely that that you should say that um, when it's a when it's a disc that also includes very famous pieces by <laughs> Poulenc and Britten and um yeah, that's and so that the forth. others that yeah. The, the yeah, others no, very well No, involved, no, it, no, 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 yeah, no, no. But I mean, that's that's great because. Um, well we talked about tradition and innovation earlier and mm. um you know the innovation part of it and c- adding new works to the, to the to the um repertoire is a very very important thing for me and so it's lovely that you single out the most recent piece one that was written for this choir uh, so alex wolf um very talented young yeah. composer he was a student here uh, he won uh what's it called the bbc young composer of the year 2012 something like that okay right and then he was a student here i think he won that first and then he he, became a student yeah maybe a year before he became a student and then student 13 to 16 or something Uh, so he graduated nearly three years ago and he wrote that piece i think in his last year with us here um and since then he's done all sorts of things at bbc nhs symphony and um um written a Piece for Sir James Galway and all sorts of things, amazing. Um, but he, yeah, it's lovely that that he he wrote that um, actually went when the it's just for the men's voices. So it's it's the one piece on the disc that doesn't include the boys, and that makes a different sonority. But Alex knew most of the singers. Well, he knew all of the singers well as friends and contemporaries. Um, and he knew their voices, and he, um, and he knew the chapel very well in which we sing, and he knew the style of the choir and everything. So, um, it, it, yeah, that, that I'm sure all of that um, influenced the piece. Um, it's 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 predominantly chordal, but when you if you have music, um, though not exclusively by any means, um, but if you have music without the trebles or without sopranos, then um, you know you take you take the sort of the highest notes out of the range. So the 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 um, sorry, I'm trying to use my hands to <laughs> That's um, fine. the That's the 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 range between the highest notes of the top part and the lowest note of the bottom part is, that range is 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 smaller than mm. it would be if there were boys singing. Then it would be another octave or something. So it makes it all rather condensed, and it uh, makes me think a little bit of having um, a string orchestra, but a piece without the violins, you know. Or if you take mm. the first movement of the Brahms Requiem, if I remember correctly, then the violins don't play in that movement. So divided violas, divided cellos, and, and double bass, and there's a there's a kind of um, uh there's a particular richness of how all the notes in the chords are quite close together and having having six part chords down in that confined space um has a particular sonority and it's a, it was an interesting quite a challenging piece to record because um trying to trying to make it sound homo- well to get the right degree of homogeneity um, you know, if you take a B a flat, for instance, uh, you know, a, a tone below middle C. If a male alto, a tenor sings that, it has one sound. Yeah. And if a tenor sings, it has another sound. And if a bass sings, it has another sound. <laughs> um, and and all the vo- and but you've you've sort of got to merge them into one, a bit like an organ or something. Um, um, and how I, did they do that? How did you well, make them do that? <laughs> uh, well, well obviously of, you I, didn't make them yeah, do it, yeah. you asked well, them to do it. You invited them. To well, yeah, I, just a lot of fine tuning and, and um I mean the most important um quality for a for, for a conductor to have is a good pair of ears. Um and so I, I suppose I kept, you know, listening and trying to adjust um uh, the, the tone on a particular note or, you know, and and asking the tenors to sound a bit more like basses or the (laughs) basses sound a bit more like tenors on a particular note or something. But you also have to listen incredibly carefully to make... It's the sort of music where you know, if there are six notes in a chord, they... You need to have exactly the right amount of each note to make the harmony really tell. And And just uh, having a little bit more G flat and a little bit less, less F in that chord changes the character of the whole chord. So... If you know, you really have to put it under the microscope. So, it, it, actually, that's how long I does that take? I well, mean, you,
0: the way the way yeah, in which you sort of describe it. all of that does that just happen in one rehearsal and that's it nailed, or are you revisiting um, that? Well, well I,
1: I, I mean, the, the whole business of the choir. Um, I mean, I rehearse a lot with the choir every day, and so one is gradually. Um, um, you know one is one is gradually kind of refining the sound and creating the sound of the choir um, and the style so that by the time you actually come to a recording session you know you've, people know where they are but um, is that a pati- in, in, that pati- in that particular piece we, we did spend quite, I can't remember how long we spent on it I mean maybe an hour and a quarter or something it was quite late in the evening and it was quite and, and quite a lot of stopping and starting actually in that one Um because there were a lot of little details to um uh, to to get to get right in sections um so i think that piece did benefit from the recording process um whereas actually if well if i'm honest uh i think as time goes on i more and more uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to just do things live, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah. um, um, because of the the, the, the sort of adrenaline. You know, if you have mm-hmm. a live broadcast and a half a million people listening, and everyone knows they have just got to do it this once. There's a, there's a sort of extra, an intensity. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, and there's an extra level of, of um, responsiveness, and and as a conductor, you can just do something minutely different, and everybody respond because. They really are concentrating. Whereas if you're in, you know, take 70, 78 and it's five hours into the day of recording, you won't have quite the same level of concentration necessarily. Uh,
0: Locusiste. Yep. Which is, um, wow, it's a popular popular thing, is it, it is, not? Yeah, so it is, What yeah. can you account for its enduring popularity? Uh I want you to speak for all of the world now and say, why is it popular? What is it about that? Because whenever I hear that, I am a a thick sauce on the floor.
1: I might ask you well, another impossible question? No, no, it's just I'm not very bright. <laughs> oh, I need to stop, please, and, stop and think please. for a minute. Um, well, there's a there's a there's, there's a great simplicity to it. Mm. Um, I, I mean, he was a Bruckner was a um, an extremely religious man himself, and I think that uh, well, I, I mean, I'm inclined to say you can hear that in the piece, but. Maybe that's a daft thing to say, but yeah, actually, so he's asked me about because that because, I, because other yeah. people, um, well, <laughs> other people have written pieces that appear to be extremely sort of have, to have a very deep religious faith behind them, and actually, they're agnostics. You know, so um, there's, there's an uh, there's, intimacy to it, though, there's, um, and a personalness. There's an intimacy, and and. The beginning seems sort of personal, but the, but it's also, it's kind of on an epic scale as well. I mean, it's it's an enormous... I mean, I can't... Oh, well, sorry, I you do know when he wrote it, 1869, um, which is fairly early in his career, or sort of early, mid. Um, um, but, it, you know, it's quite a lot earlier than the Eighth Symphony, for instance. But here's a man who... Is best known for having written symphonies that last <laughs> 70 or 80 minutes and it there's is. something, and there is something kind of symphonic about it and just like the symphonies it's conceived for an enormous building and you hear these rests that last for sort of five beats or something in which he expected the sound to resonate throughout the building you know, St Florian where he was um, uh, in his early life. Um, the the, the acoustic resonates for, for about eight seconds there. Um so it's it's like there's there's one of there's this sort of cathedral like um, edifice like the symphonies are but it's condensed into a very short Yes, it time. is incredibly um, concise. Yes. But also it, you you feel familiar with I mean I think things like the fact that it's a kind of A B A structure and when you get, you know, whatever it is, two and a half minutes into the piece, then it goes back and it's like the beginning and we talked about nostalgia earlier, mm-hmm. and you you feel, oh yeah, I know this bit, and it it, it sort of quickly feels um, uh, sort of secure like that. But 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 there's a and very very simple, um, just C major chords nicely spaced at the beginning, but then in the middle there's there's, a, uh, there's, an, there's an extraordinary sense of awe and and the words. Um, um, Idea of fact A says this place was made by God um and it is without reproach or something. But there, there's a there's a kind of yeah, a, a mystery and you you've you know if you go into you go into a church or you go into a Catholic church after they have had mass or something and there's incense everywhere in they and, and it, it sort of smells holy and it looks holy because there isn't much lighting, it's probably rather mm. dark and you 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 sort of even if you don't believe in God you can see how some people might feel God's presence there because of those sensory things. Yeah, it's the ultimate theatre. And I, you know, I think the middle of Bruton's piece, um, actually, you can smell the incense, and the lights are dark, and and this sort of mystical court. So it again is the thing we've been talking about um, lots in, in this conversation of of taking you out of the um, you you start in, in in what appears like sort of normal everyday life, but it but it takes you on a journey to I, a, to another realm.
0: Infinitely. I um I hadn't considered I hadn't even considered comparing Locust to to uh, symphonies, but there is I see the sim- similarity now. What I was reflecting on this morning, listening to it, was how uh, I sang bass in the choir. We sang it a lot in our chapel choir, uh, and. I'm struck by how actually everything is very, is very close together. The chords, the the, the lines that everybody sings, they don't really leap around very much. No. It's it's terribly, terribly low key, and yet utterly, utterly ravishing, uh, mm. and the, and I never tire of hearing it. Yeah, um, it's very special.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a amazing simplicity.
0: Uh, what do you particularly... I know it's wrong to ask the director of the choir which his favourite is, but I would <laughs> like you to tell me which your favourite is. Or which is most special to you. Maybe that's
1: yeah. Um Clearly well, nobody else has asked you this. <laughs> um well the A uh, Fair is the Heaven which is the first track I think is a is a is a piece that I find particularly beautiful. But I mean they're they're all pieces that that I think are great. Um, I mean, I won't tell you which performances I think are the best and which are the worst. Um, but <laughs> oh, go be, on! No, that, uh, yeah, well, yeah, that, that, yeah, that would be really my, good. My no, lose don't, my, don't. My lose my reputation as a marketer. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. But well, maybe in a in a in a way, the things I'm uh, most proud of are the pieces that I helped to sort of create. So, um, actually, the Giles Swain would be the other one that I would mention, um, and along with the Alex Wolf, that's the other piece that was written for us um, uh, and um, so you know the wolf and the swain are, are pieces that haven't been recorded by other people whereas and how do you brief have, people how do you brief people yeah. when
0: you commission them do you say okay. this is the kind of thing i'm looking for or here's the text go and do it
1: occasionally i say this is the kind of thing um uh but i try well it varies but and, and a lot of our commissions are for Advent, um, and then there's just, you know, there are limitations about which texts are suitable and which aren't. But um, I try to make, I try to help the composer to be as creative as possible. I and mean, it seems to me that the vast majority of new choral pieces that are written nowadays are either a cappella, um, just choir only, in other words, or choir and organ, you know, sort of standards ordinary combination All that 90% of what's written is for that 95% I expect is for that combination and I say to composers look if you want to use a different instrument that's fine so um choir and cello um yeah two days ago we sang a piece by Joanna Ward for choir and double bass um we commissioned something for choir and timpani um choir and electronics uh choir and marimba um uh, all sorts of combinations And it and it 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 brings out a different kind of um, creativity. I think it, it it sort of opens new doors to the to the composer, and I, I love helping to create new unusual sonorities. Um, that and the Swain, it's I mean, it's a well, it's one of the best commissions that uh, it's one of the yeah I've maybe maybe forty pieces have been that I've commissioned since in the past decade since being here, I guess roughly. Um, and I think that's one of the very best. But it's a particularly special thing at the moment because it enables us to collaborate with one of our many fantastic student instrumentalists and Lara van der Hayden is is here at the moment. Um, you know, she was BBC younger student she was, here as well. She she's a third year, yeah. She was oh, young musician now. Yeah. Oh. She's in her third oh. year. She was a young musician of the year two thousand and twelve, and another very young one. And um she's well, lost a couple of weeks ago she won a BBC Music Magazine Award Newcomer of the Year, and she won the equivalent award in the Netherlands uh, recently for her debut disc. And, sickening, um, um, sickening talent. Uh, no, not sickening. I'd say <laughs> just, just, yeah, just, just that's to, no. Yeah, yeah. No, she's amazing. But you know, that's the thing. I mean, uh, this is this, I, this is an educational establishment, and yeah. it's the job of people like me to help give the choristers and the and the older students as wide a broad a sort of musical education as as I'm able to and expose them to lots of different things but actually at the same time uh, it's an amazing educational place for me because uh, you know the danger with being in charge of something is you don't have a teacher anymore but here um, you know I'm forever working with um, people who are uh, who are infinitely more talented than me and I get uh, um, and it's just to as long as you're not too um, kind of uh, you know arrogant to be able to cope with that. Um, it's just it's just an amazing learning experience. And so so I it's so many. Sim- I mean, this morning I was rehearsing a, a new piece with the with the choristers, and 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 one of them pointed out to me there was an e shelf at the beginning of the bar that I noticed. You know, it's great, it's great, it's, 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 it's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. No, 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 not at all. No, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, so how I do just, these people sleep at night <laughs> I, no it's absolutely wonderful and, and you know my organ scholars and choral scholars well, I, so there's Lara and there's uh, Stephanie Childress um, uh-huh. Yes. she graduated from here last year um, at the age of 18 she's making her proms oh. debut this yes. summer um, she, did, uh, Ju- she was at
0: British Youth Opera last year she, oh, yeah. she was an assistant conductor at oh. British Youth Opera because she was on a podcast actually uh, and I turned up and I, and I thought, you do look familiar, I can't know mm. where you're from. And then she told me and it was terribly embarrassing. Would yeah. it, um, so, so people like her and then,
1: and then uh, Alice Wolfe we talked about and Julia Huang was here a few years ago and she made um, a debut recording. Would
0: it surprise you if I told you that actually a little bit of me feels sort of slightly irritated when I come here, that's sort of slightly jealous in a way? I, I, would, I was never going to come to Cambridge, ever. Uh, because clearly I wasn't good enough but but I certainly coming back here today seeing all of the posters for all of the concerts there is a lot of music here yeah and, ridiculous uh, amount uh, and, and that's and I have a sort of a, a sort of an emotional response to that which is wow this is fantastic but
1: also I really wish I did, 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 did it's a it's a strange place that's what I'm saying uh, it is a strange place um, I mean it's clearly a very wonderful place and mm. extraordinary things happen here um but uh, but there's also a kind of intensity about, yeah. <laughs> about the place. Um, yeah, I, I mean, well, to come back to the, the concept of privilege that we talked about earlier, I mean, I I disputed a, a, perhaps a slight implication from you that that chorister ships were just for people from wealthy families. You know, that's absolutely not true at all. That wasn't but, what I was suggesting. Well, okay, but that's what that's what I, that's yeah, yeah, what I yeah. read into it, um, and and that's certainly not the case. Mm. But what is the case, I'm afraid, and I, you know, to be honest, I slightly regret it. Is is that this is a, uh, so it's not money that gets you in here, but it's it's you know it's A level results and, mm. and and academic things, and um, and I do get and that. I and do it, understand yeah, that. But the thing that's slightly frustrating for me is that um, there are all sorts of people who, I mean, it's also, it's an amazing musical opportunity, and there are all sorts of fantastic young musicians who would. Benefit enormously from this, but who can't come because they got two much less than they should have done in their French level or something, and that's a shame. Yes. <laughs> so it's the it's the it's the sort of academic privilege that. Um, but I you, you're not going to put this broadcast this anywhere where my colleagues might hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've <have> no idea. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they wouldn't listen to podcasts like this. Yeah. Um, it's fine, uh, and obviously you
0: come off very well. I was the one who said that I was basically jealous. Um, yeah, no, you, you're right. You're right to be. Yeah, but, but
1: it, there can so be something slightly intimidating about Cambridge as well, to be honest, um, uh, because there's so much going on. And mm. it, you know, and it took me, um, I don't know, seven or eight years of, of working here before I. Really felt I deserved to be here doing this job. So because it's the home you, of it's the home of imposter syndrome. Then is it? <laughs> well, I'm sure it's not the only place in that category. But you you are very aware of that. You know, if you're taking over from <laughs> complete geniuses in the past, then uh, it's it's quite tough. Okay, um, I won't call you.
0: Yeah. Mar- I mean, you're very good at marketing, so obviously yeah, yeah, you yeah, you've yeah. run the choir for sixteen years. So you must be pretty. But I won't call you a genius because I think that would be weird. I think really, it would a, be a, a bit weird. 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 Yeah. You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good classical music podcast available on Spotify, iTunes and Audioboom. To get in touch, tweet at Thoroughly Good, post a message on the Thoroughly Good Facebook page or email john.jacob at thoroughlygood.me.